Yasalio El Peine, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I hope I pronounced that correctly, because it sounds pretty close to some other words I know in Spanish. Oh. Uh, that, by the way, is a Mexican idiom that translates to, the comb already came out. It, oh, no. What? Excuse me? Well, it's roughly analogous to, the truth is revealed. Okay, the cone? The cone? Comb? comb, comb, comb. The comb already came out. Oh boy, yes. oh, that would have that would have hurt. I bet. Uh, we've got a lot of truth revealing this episode from Red Bull's overspend to the missteps in Suzuka. But before we get to that, I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Very good. It's the second time I've been shamed in 24 hours for my lack of knowledge of Spanish. I grew up in Europe. For some reason, they make us learn like French and German first. Uh, and yesterday, my daughter, who is four years old, counted to 15 in Spanish. I think I can go to five. So I'm feeling very. <laughs> and that's just from right that uh, offspring song. What is what? What one's that? Isn't that I... off? Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. Oh, you're right. There you go. I can do se- yeah, six. 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 Although you got, you can't get tripped up by the second five in there. Also joining us is Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, not too bad. Relieved that the second half of the uh, U.S. Grand Prix would give us stuff to talk about because for a good twenty <laughs> minutes there, thirty minutes there, I was like, "Oh boy, we're gonna. It's gonna be another. It's gonna be another Phil episode." Yeah. Uh, well, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we've got an episode just for you. The preseason primer episode assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 178. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where... Every month, we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? Yes, we are recording our latest patron-exclusive podcast on the racing movie, Gone in 60 Mm. Seconds. I, it, there's racing. There's they're racing. They're racing the cops well, away from the cops. Going there's fast the, for a there's the Carol Shelby connection. You know, mm, uh, Ford hey. versus Ferrari. Uh, in many ways, this is a sequel. Wow, a sequel that came out before it. I can't wait. I, I don't think I've ever seen Gone in sixty seconds. Have you guys? Uh, once. Okay. Like I'm kind of astonished that. So because I feel like we're all similar age. Yeah, I'm 36. Yeah, this was, I don't know, this is like one of the like quintessential, like, well, might as well go see this movie <laughs> if you <laughs> yeah. were like a teenager or a tweenager uh, back then. I remember the finger, like the, let's go, like the Nicolas Cage, let's go, like that. Yeah. That's shot. That's all I got from Gone in 60 Seconds. I think, it's I think people have some bleached hair, I think, as well. It seems like it was in that era. Hey, look, we'll find out soon enough, and you'll hear all of my thoughts and everyone else's over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, along with our amazing title sponsors, Kekacha of the Art, at Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, Pyrites Card Castle, Iron Station Studios, Alan McCrary, Telemetry Deck is below the cascop.com. I can never get that right. Cascop? Deck is below the cascop.com. Is a cascop, is that like a magical policeman? The cast, cast cop, yes, exactly. I solve crimes with my wand. 
Uh, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, the crew as I call them, Fly Like a Lion. Mm. Oh, okay, I see you changed your name there, sir. Abraham Getchell, Enzo and Ayrton, Hashtag Bunny Slimes, Sniggs, Alex Goucher, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research. Get all your SoCal clinical research at Irvine. Lachlan the Madden Man and Jason Kelly. Jason Kelly. Jason Kelly. Fantastic. Well, we've got kind of a packed show for y'all. Yeah. See what I did there this weekend. Uh, so let's get right into the grid. It was a little mixed up because we had a whole bunch of penalties. Mm. Sergio Perez, five place grid penalty for power unit. Charles Leclerc, five, a 10 place grid penalty for power unit. Fernando Alonso, five place grid penalty for power unit. Joe Guan Yu, five place grid penalty for power unit. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, five place grid penalty for use of additional restricted number components. And pit lane start for Esteban Ocon. For power mm. unit. Uh, so all that said, uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. put it on Dude. pole. Dude, unbelievable. Before lap. any of the, the penalties. like Yeah, Quali was great, and he kind of popped up out of nowhere right there at the end. It was kind of all eyes on Leclerc a bit. Um, it was a Yeah, fun... Leclerc qualified second. Yeah, he did, and he I think he... Science time was early as well, I believe, in quality. So then it was kind of like, oh, and that's a low number. I wonder if they'll be able to chase it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting one. It was also a bring your rookie to work day in practice, we should mention. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there, <it's> true. <laughs> there was like six or seven, uh, you know, you know the, the, the requisite time you need to put one of your rookies in the car was, you know, slowly approaching. So they used America to sort of put a bunch of them out there. Um, so some of the drivers were a little bit... Uh, out of sorts in terms of the amount of uh, track time that they'd had. Um, am I crazy as did. well? Did they do the Pirelli thing here as well? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. it was practice too. They had the they had the Pirelli tire um, uh, prototype test. tires. It was very interesting because there's lots of rules around it. Like they had to do there was like rules the drivers had to do. They weren't allowed. They had to stay within the lines. They weren't allowed to go over certain. Sp- like delta times or something it was very interesting like and they I also, also weren't told yes which compounds they were driving on yes they didn't know the only drivers that were omitted from this were the ones who had not done a p1 run i believe okay. because they're they brought their rookie to work um so then for instance like charlotte claire i think was driving around on softs for a time because he they had had somebody in the car earlier that day so it was was like a fun weekend i'm sure if you were there as well we got lots of emails um you know between ed sheeran and interpol and green day you're also having (laughs) a very fun time but uh yeah it was like just a busy kind of weekend with stuff going on there was some (laughs) shot of ed sheeran hanging out with uh tim cook and Stefano oh. Dominicali. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, what so, a weird room. Tim Cook, we will get to the worst checkered flag waiver in the history of <laughs> Formula One. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you, sir? I'm telling you, this, like, these are the masters we got to overthrow. These are two, <laughs> like, the, the titans of industry today are just too freaking weird uh, to be allowed to have all the power. Uh, it's they, true. They it's have. like a watchman uh, scene. It's like uh, you know the 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 artists, the famous artist, the famous tech technocrat, and the the money making uh, manager. They're they're plotting together, Rob. Also, I don't know if either of you saw this, but it seems like 
Will Buxton was starting beef about pit walk stuff over like after this weekend, and I couldn't quite track it, but like he and Brundle were at each other on Twitter, and oh I think God. it was all because like uh, nobody was supposed to talk to Pitt, Brad Pitt, because he was like there, like uh, like do it laying groundwork for a movie that's coming up. Yeah, uh, but I guess somebody did. Did Brundle? I didn't maybe, see any of that. No, maybe. Brundle didn't, and he and he sounds uh, peeved about it. Or he tried yeah. to and couldn't, but maybe Buxton did, and that's why Brundle's upset. This is great. This is I there's, need to dig into this. Yeah, yeah there's some like weird like cash peeing in their territory stuff going on with with track. Why walks. is everything so weird around the pit walk? It's so like, strange. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a very it's a very weird thing, um, especially for for Brundle, a guy who sort of claims to not really like that part of the job so much. Uh, <laughs> weirdly precious about it. Well, go back like six years and watch the track walks and there's like a quarter of the amount of people on the track as well. I do feel like the Austin Grand Prix is maybe the worst offender in that respect, though, because it's just like packed full of celebrities. Um, yeah, but that's silly. That's very silly. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of silly, let's get to the grid. Uh, as, as we said, it's been shuffled around with uh, penalties, but the cars line up like this. Carlos signs on pole position beside him max verstappen in second lewis hamilton third george russell fourth then we've got lance stroll in fifth lando norris in sixth he nearly got eliminated in q2 but Quan yu Zhou, or Zhou Quan yu rather <clears throat> i knew i was gonna do that at least once this season uh had a lap time deleted <laughs> that promoted norris to q3 uh Valtteri Bottas lines up seventh and Alex Albon in eighth Sergio Perez uh in ninth with his five place penalty and then Sebastian Vettel in 10th and we've got Pierre Gasly in 11th Charles Leclerc in 12th Kevin Magnussen 13th Fernando Alonso in 14th Daniel Ricciardo 15th then we've got Mick Schumacher Nicholas Latifi Joe Guan Yu Yuki Tsunoda and Esteban Ocon from the pit lane all right mm. um Okay, I'm just looking at Will Buxton here. Another is his Twitter account. Another USGP. Another reminder that all grid accredited media are given a list at every race of which media invitee slash celebrity is and isn't approachable for the interview. Pitt hadn't been on any of the days he was present. For reference, on F1 TV, uh, our grid walk is always about the cars and the drivers. Who is where and why? If we grab an interview, it is rarely with a celeb unless we know they are invested in the sport and available to chat. Because for us, the celebs are the ones in the cars. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's like a forum <laughs> post. Like, maybe he's right, but just well, keep, it also, in the, keep it in the chamber, man. Just, like, don't do not do it. Yeah, I cannot. I cannot handle it. Uh, especially because, like, the vibe I've always gotten from Will Buxton is, like, one of the most inveterate star fuckers I've ever seen. Uh, so it's it, it's so weird to take this line. I like I like Will. I've always liked him, like in the past. But whenever he is on, I always get the feeling like his ego is waiting to explode and like push everyone else off the screen just a little bit. Like it's upsetting to me, like because I kind of I kind of feel like no, maybe he's not like that. But you you're just you're thinking that a little bit because you've heard some things. But sometimes he just yeah. He know. increasingly gives me like. Uh, wannabe famous esports caster vibes uh in, in a way where where like dudes who on, on some like like deep level are like i'm actually a big part of the show here 
I'm actually right, yeah, like yeah. what people are here to see. And that's actually been true. Uh, like there are some sportscasters who like do achieve that status of like, you know, I'll watch Al Michaels call it dog shit football game because Al Michaels is is an amazing uh right. like play by play guy. But like that's like a handful of people and it is not a dude like Will Buxton who is uh yeah, a very good sideline reporter, basically. Yeah, I, I feel like he's kind of I feel bad in a way because he's kind of like done he did his time. Like he, he was he's covered a lot of racing over, over his career. For the NBC certain, Sports Network, no less. Right. And at for F one and F one TV and F one's YouTube channel, he's been doing like work for years that people didn't really tune into. And I feel like with the blow up and with F one TV sort of getting more funding as well, um, yeah, maybe he wants to like retain his place, but it's these pissing wars are not great. Like he 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 needs to have, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a, a safety on the gun or something. Because remember the Lewis Hamilton stuff a couple of years ago? Like just like just don't say it, dude. Just like sleep on it. You know what I mean? Like don't it's that that type of thing. It's like your uncle who just goes to Facebook right away when he's angry about something. It's just like, oh uh, my god! Yeah. And thanks to uh, at Crouton dude who linked me to the uh, the quote tweet <laughs> of that Will Buxton tweet that Martin Brundle did saying oh. that's simply untrue. Will don't make things up to suit your narrative. Whoa, whoa! Shots I love this. fired. Yes, unbelievable. Uh, well, the starting gun was fired, Danny. Should we take it to the start here? It was, and uh, when they went up the hill, it looked very much like one side of the track was a little bit more advantageous than the other, which is the left-hand side, and it's a left-hand first turn coming up, and uh, what had happened, I guess, was that Sainz got a little bit bogged down in the, the, the second stage of his start, Verstappen had a good start, got up the inside, by the time they got to that first little hairpin at the top of the hill, it's basically a hairpin, um, they... Uh, Verstappen was like almost a car length ahead of Sainz. So Sainz is trying to find a little bit of a slightly different line to get a bit more speed coming out of that turn at the top. Meanwhile, behind him, a similar battle is happening with George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, except that one is much, much tighter. It looks like uh, Russell is getting ahead of Lewis um, once they complete this turn, but they are side by side in that moment, and Russell is going in a little bit fast and sharp Um to try and cover off Hamilton. As he does that and sort of enters the exit of that, or exits, I should say, the uh, the apex of turn one, Sainz is sort of hasn't is facing the backs of the back of Max Verstappen and having and trying to basically do the old switcheroo as as uh, he likes to call it on the commentary. Um, who's the Crofty does? Um, he pulls a uh, Verstappen on the other one is kind of like covering a little bit hard that side. So it puts signs in a position where he's turning in and also breaking slightly or at least lifting. Um, as he's doing that, Russell has sort of committed to the corner. He has no other way to go because F1 cars can't really turn when they're <laughs> breaking. Um, uh, and Hamilton is to his left and he spins. Carlos signs. It's a real, wouldn't have been surprised if there's no penalty given for it, honestly, especially because it's a first turn incident. You know, Russell was racing for his position. Sure, Sainz had the racing line, but also Sainz was hesitating behind Verstappen, so he maybe shouldn't have been as far back as he was, or Russell wouldn't have expected it. In any case, Sainz does a little spin wrecks his tires, and to the back of the pack. And the only other incident that I have here 
is a coming together between Sebastian Vettel and Sergio Perez um, on the exit of the S's uh, somewhere at the end of Sector 1, which rears its head later on when uh, Perez loses his front wing end plate on the left side, I think two or three laps later. Was it Vettel? Or was it... Oh, I no. it was Botas. It was Botas, sorry. Um, Vettel has an amazing start. Uh, I, I haven't seen an onboard, right. but he he uh, he goes from tenth to fifth, yeah, pretty quickly. Uh, Stroll also uh, got gets ahead of Russell after that collision with Signs, taking third place. Uh, Stroll, but on, Stroll's always been good here, yeah, yeah, and he's he's been good on starts. Uh, lap five yep. though, Russell gets by Stroll on the back straight, and Perez also passes Stroll a lap later, uh, and in so doing, loses that right front end plate. Um. And then uh, we got Verstappen continuing, uh, I'm sorry, Vettel continuing to hang on in sixth place, but by lap 12, an ascendant Charles Leclerc, who started in 12th, passes him down the back straight for sixth place. Uh, So he is already rocketing through the field, which is always fun to see. Yeah, uh, and more so than in other, you know, we have we have watched the Leclerc has a penalty, is stuck behind, he'll make his way through the field, and then doesn't in right. some races recently. Yeah. Um, whereas that does not seem to be a problem here at Coda. Yeah, slap 18, a gust of wind catches Botas out, uh, who's in 13th place, causes him to spin off into the gravel and bring out the safety car, uh, yeah. which really benefits Leclerc. Because by that point, the top four had already pitted. So he gets a cheap pit stop under the safety car and rejoins in fourth place uh, behind Perez and ahead of Russell. Uh, And then, yes, Rob, nothing really happens for a while uh, (laughs) until, let's see, about lap 22 is when we cut to the middle of a crash happening. Uh, Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll looks even scarier in replay. Alonso is gaining on Stroll on the back straight, then tries to juke around him to the left at the last minute, but Stroll makes a late defensive move in the same direction, uh, and Alonso just rides up the back of him. Uh, it looks like Alonso's car is about to flip over for a second, just kind of does a, a a wheelie um, for a while. Yeah. Uh, and well, it's approaching that gap in the guardrail, too, which I think is what made the accident like so scary. Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of the, the, the termination of a wall. Um, he just misses that and kind of skids along uh, down that rail while Stroll loses his left rear tire and kind of spins down the road. Uh, other drivers having to thread between him and the debris. Thankfully, no uh, other hits happen. Um, <laughs> Did you notice that Mike Schumacher got like overtaken by three cars while slowing down? Yeah, he I thought that was way such off a bummer. And like three yeah. cars rocket past him. Lando um, and a couple other ones, yeah. Just go go around him. By, was it Lando that, that also straight. caught like a, uh, a oh, yard yeah. long strip of carbon fiber right to the halo that just yes, explodes? Mashed off the halo, yeah. Weird crash. It was um, sort of uh, rem- reminiscent of the uh, Mark Webber, Heike Kovalainen, Valencia incident where Webber, similar thing, tried to like deke around the left side, kind of left it a bit late. Um, of course, in that situation, maybe ground effect cars or heavier cars have a, a different um, way of dealing with this. But in that situation, Webber famously flipped, did a full somersault and landed back on his wheels. And then crashed into the the tire wall um, and walked away from the incident, thankfully. And that was, you know, before we had halos and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
It's such a but funny yeah. thing, like bearing in mind they're gonna be teammates next year too. Uh, and yeah, so, true. I'm like, I'm never, I, I am never not astonished by Alonso's uh, coolness under pressure. Like, like after his car, like basically smashes back down on the ground, he continues to drive on. He just comments on the radio uh, a bit late. Uh, <laughs> but the the other weird thing is like this in the the turn one incident. Honestly, at the start of the race, it's like these things are so tough to judge to put like from like it seems to be a different story from every camera angle you look yeah. at like in the two in-car views of alonzo and stroll i have no sense of their relative motion really to mm. like where they are on the track but when gasly's camera angle came up and we saw them <laughs> up ahead uh it does seem like stroll makes a very late and kind of indecisive move yeah uh, to, to try to cover it off and it reminds me I've always thought it looked le- like this type of thing looked less sporting, but now I maybe understand better why they do this. Uh, a lot of times when you see somebody even start to pull out, you will see the other car completely rake across their nose across the track. And it's just like the most like door slamming thing. But it occurs to me that that sort of like wild lunge to the opposite side of the track to completely like seal it off uh, does have the effect of like it is a dramatic and like, highly visible move that that signals intent whereas stroll kind of does a thing where he drifts basically like is trying to like drift over and cover off like a guy who's already in his blind spot uh yeah it, it was you know shit happens uh but it was a it was a scary incident for what what should what felt like it should have been a pretty routine uh, overtake overtake yeah that's the thing as well as why Alonso decided to leave it so it it, it it reminds me of the signs thing where it's like signs is you know not at fault for that crash but there are ways of driving at the starts of races that don't get you spinning right and he was perhaps not defensive enough with regards to who is behind him in that moment and similarly Alonso here is deciding to pull out from behind his wake as late as humanly possible, presumably because he thinks he doesn't have the speed or DRS or whatever to make it um, any other way. So he does pull out from behind, you know, Stroll, and also Stroll's like, you know, blind spots, which are fairly big on these cars, quite late. So you can imagine that Stroll instinctively sort of turns to, to... lunge that way a little bit and then the crash is already happening because like if what he needs a stroll not to fucking move basically for him to get past him um so it's another one of like not blaming alonso for it but you know he left something well out of his control basically where it's like the, the move is on except you know he had that's the other thing a lot of times drivers will try to bait out the defensive move and then make the move they intend and here like Stroll still had his defensive move, and so you you kind of do have to assume this guy is going to try and do something if I if I do this overtake. But you're right, like you know, and and George has talked about the the toe effect is stronger as you get closer. Like as you pull right up on someone, right. you can feel it getting more stronger, and the car goes faster and faster. Um, so I, I I see why you hold on to it that long, but but boy, uh, did feel like we were. Literally, uh, just a few degrees rotation and maybe a few feet from having a pretty horrific uh, yeah. accident on that straight. Similar to Grosjean, the straights aren't generally suited for those types of crashes, right? Because they're not expecting people to crash on straights. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. He was lucky not to 
Not to hit that, but as it turns and out, we Lonzo's were lucky car. to get that safety car. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and Fernando was lucky to get back to the pits uh, <laughs> to get a new front wing. His car looks fine. I was. Yeah, this is so the part strange. that was floored. He just comes in with like a busted front wing, and I'm like, "You were launched like eight feet into the air." <laughs> the floor was fine. Yeah, there was no like nothing got scraped when the back. If you watch the replay, the, the nothing's touching the ground except the the wheels. I guess it's because right. these wheels are really big now. So when he's like pointing in the sky, it's not like the back of his car or anything well, else. Still is got to smash back down, and I don't think yeah. it's just a lot of weight. That, yeah, and Steph, he hit the and, and he hit the wall with all the left side of the car, and none of his suspension broke or anything. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. He's all right. Uh, when we get going again, Charlotte Claire is back on the hunt for the podium, and by lap thirty, gets a run on Perez, making a great late dive down the inside at the beginning of the stadium section to get third place. Back near the front, Hamilton running in second, pits on lap 34 to try to undercut Verstappen. Red Bull bites and pits Verstappen on the next lap, womp but it womp. is a slow stop because they have to use a backup wheel gun. Uh, Verstappen stationary for 11.1 seconds, enough for Leclerc to pit and get out ahead. Shostad. Uh, like yes. directly ahead, like two feet ahead. <laughs> right. Uh, so with 20 laps to go, Hamilton on the hard tire, Verstappen and Leclerc on mediums. It is shaping up to be a fight at the end. Fingers crossed. Question mark. Vettel uh, <laughs> stays out a little longer and takes the lead of the race, bringing his total count for laps led in his career above 3,500. He was sitting nice. at uh, 3,499. That's terrific. And also the other stash that we might be able to see here is Lewis Hamilton. Uh, having done and he has every year until this year, he has won at least one race in his career and he has not got one this year. So this win means a lot yes. to him, even if it doesn't mean all that much in any other way. Uh, Verstappen doesn't take too long to chase Leclerc down, though, and catches him on lap 39. He tries diving down the inside of turn one, but Leclerc does a masterful cutback mm. and gets back ahead. Uh, they chase each other through the S's. But when we get to the back straight, it's all but a foregone conclusion as Verstappen gets by easily with DRS. Uh, and then lap 49 is kind of a weird one. Alonso gets by Magnussen on the back straight for sixth place, but loses his right wing mirror once yeah. he pops out from behind his slipstream. Uh, most likely damaged during that crash with Stroll. Uh, thankfully, it bounces off the racing line, but it is not done doing damage. We will come back to that. Uh, Magnuson, by the way, is the only one in the field going for a one-stop. Yeah. And so far, it is working for him. He has seven more laps to hang on to the points-paying positions. So that's another fun thing that we'll see if he can do it. Uh, and while we had hoped that Verstappen's slow pit stop would lead to that late-race title fight, or late-race fight, uh, after dispatching Leclerc early, he makes it up to Hamilton with six laps to go yeah. and gets ahead at the end of the back straight. Hamilton tries his best to retake that position, but uh, the, Red Bull is, the Red Bull is just too fast. And then we get a whisper. Do you, the, the F1 gods come up to our ears and say, <clears throat> remember last year? And for the next five laps, we have both drivers complaining about track limits. <laughs> just trying, <laughs> yes. trying to do anything anything in their power to try and uh win this race and you know hamilton to his credit verstappen was very all over the place when he was trying to catch up with him and he got well, served a lot of flags and he was down to his last one and then 
in trying to do the exact same thing, Hamilton also got his last warning. So yeah, I mean yeah. Hamilton is sticking with Verstappen, uh, yeah. you know, doing a great job there and just harassing him with DRS. Um, but yeah, yeah, that 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 causes you to to make a lot of uh, you know lunges and maybe you go off track. So they both get black and white black and white warning flags uh, for track limits. Uh, which keeps things a little bit interesting. And speaking of keeping it interesting, uh, the end of this race is where things really pick up. Vettel gets by Albon with an amazing oh my pass. God. This was wild. Around the outside. Oh, yeah. And then was this uh, for lap last? 52? Yeah. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. Sorry. But um, they don't really mention it much on the, the broadcast, but Norris was also putting on a clinic here. He goes from 13th to 8th in the span of four laps. Uh, and then passes Magnuson and Alonso late in the race to finish in sixth. But Danny, awesome. yes, probably the most thrilling battle was Vettel and Magnuson for eighth place. Uh, do you want to take it <laughs> here? Yeah, it was just in that final section. The uh, the, the 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 super fast. Um, I don't know what you'd call that part of it, but just like the 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 final like two or three turns or third and fourth turn. He hung out around the outside, and this is like end of the race grip, right? So you're just like, ooh, <laughs> it was you. He shouldn't he be doing this? Classic, like, Vettel's kind of got nothing to lose here. Um, you know, I mean, he's got points to lose, I guess, but it's his last time racing in, in America, and, you know, Magnuson's an old head, so probably a good battle, somebody to go to war with. Um, yeah, and he manages to overtake him, but it's just like, it's out of nowhere. And then my favorite uh, shot of the race is... Vettel crossing the line and pumping his fists like he has won an F1 championship. It was it was a real reeling back the years moment for me. Like it was like, oh, I remember that Sebastian when he was like winning championships and he was just like punching the sky and, and pointing at the crowd. And yeah, it was pretty cool to see that in a race where we didn't have all that much battling. And you know? he'd also had terrible luck, right? He had another bad pit stop. Uh, in the in the oh, race. he you're right. Right. He had a her- yeah. an atrocious he was, pit stop. He's having an incredible race, and then uh, had like a a disastrous pit stop that really derailed what could have been a, a pretty high finish. I think Brundle said he was you know maybe even the contention for for a podium. A podium, yeah. Uh, but yeah, to, to have it end with a a terrific wheel to wheel battle with with Magnuson, who you know doesn't doesn't give you an inch, uh, was yeah. was terrific. Um, it was it was great to see it. There was a lot of random luck happening in this race. I remember Sergio Perez early in the race. They were like saying, "Oh, he's going to get the meatball flag because this end plate is wobbling all over the place." And then it came off and landed off the racing line. <laughs> he was fine. They were like, "Oh, I guess he's probably going to be okay now. He won't well, have to come in." We'll come back to that in a second, but let's just run down the results here. Max Verstappen wins the race. Very excited. Tim Cook waving the checkered flag. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Lewis Hamilton comes home second, and Charles Leclerc, from 12th place, gets a podium. Uh, Sergio Perez in fourth. Uh, George Russell in fifth, who gets also the fastest lap, having pitted late for soft yes. tires. Uh, Lando Norris in sixth, and seventh place would have been Fernando Alonso, who made that incredible comeback after his crash with Stroll, um, but after the race was handed a 30-second penalty converted from a 10-second stop-go for driving with that broken mirror flapping in the wind for multiple laps. Oh, he did. Uh, He got that. I didn't know that. Yes. So this this was brought to the stewards by Haas, 
who you may recall uh, have been shown a black and white or uh, sorry a black and orange flag uh three times this season yes. which means you must pit and change your stuff uh they also brought up paris's end plate but that was uh that was dismissed okay um curiously the stewards are apparently at odds here with race direction uh saying in this quote from race fans quote the stewards are deeply concerned that car 14 alonzo uh, was not given the black and orange flag or at least a radio call to rectify the situation despite the two calls to race control by the haas team you don't have to see that sort of infighting between They're the right stewards it, and the race director like this That's is the wild. thing they showed an in-car from alonzo's view much earlier in the race long before that wing flew off and you could see that that uh these sorry long before that mirror flew off you could see how badly it was just like fluttering there uh on the right hand side it was clear that it was not right after the uh after the collision with stroll and yeah like when you consider the stuff they have flashed the black and orange flag for uh to have a big old honking like mirror uh just you know blowing like a leaf there and do nothing about it is kind of shocking uh that they that they let that ride especially because you know the the fear is things like that are going to break off and bounce up into somebody else's cockpit um yeah. you know we've seen it happen before right and and so they letting that ride uh was was a pretty poor decision and i'm not surprised the stewards uh after were 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 kind of uh did call out the decision to ignore that because it was visible uh and mm-hmm. it was more egregious than a lot of stuff they have called with regard to like end plates flapping around yeah alpine for their part is appealing this decision but it, I don't think it'll get overturned. Um, they're, they're trying to get on a technicality, right? They're like the yeah, the Haas appeal yeah. came in late. Yes, but I think they were given special dispensation because um, you know uh, it, it was un- unreasonable to expect them to get it in before the time cut off right. for some reason. And obviously, um, you know, there's a it, does this seem messed up role. Uh, to, to things like this, where it's <laughs> right. like, I think we can all agree this is sufficiently messed up. This appeal is legit. Uh, Sebastian Vettel gets elevated to seventh place. Uh, Kevin Magnussen will finish in eighth with that brilliant one stop. Uh, then Yuki Tsunoda in ninth and Esteban Ocon in tenth. Then we've got Zhou Guanyu, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, Mick Schumacher in fifteenth places. Fernando wow. Alonso after wow, that, that penalty. Thirty seconds really stings at the end of oh, the race yeah. with a safety car, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then Daniel Ricciardo and Nicholas Latifi not classified were the DNFs of Lance Stroll, Valtteri Bottas, and Carlos Sainz. Don Ricardo, second last in the pegging order. Did you see his uh, his entrance to... On the horse? Yes. Yeah, full American. He had the mutton... Ch- the, what do you call them? Mutton chops? What do you know? The the handlebars, whatever, the mustache. Mm-hmm. He had that, that going. Lots of yeehaws. Good to see that Daniel's uh, absence from F1 next year is not going to... Um, is not uh, dampening his spirits. Yes. I, w- I will miss these, <laughs> the Austin, uh, the Austin silliness. Uh, well, speaking of America, let's get to the news, shall we? Should we? Is, is it in the news that we should we say congratulations, Red Bull, for winning the constructors' championships? Yes, Championship? yes, sure, yeah, we can. Especially we can do on that. a weekend where, well, we will talk about Dietrich Matichitz, but that was. That was a shock for the paddock as well. I didn't know that was happening until the qualifying started. I didn't know that he had passed away. Um, so obviously a, a difficult weekend for them. Um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. News, we have lots of it. 
Well, let's uh, while we're there, let's run down the standings. Max Verstappen uh, still in first. What do you know? He's he's clinched the championship. Charles Leclerc is in second with 267 points to Sergio Perez's 265. So that was a pivotal uh, podium for Leclerc. George Russell's in fourth with 218. Carlos Sainz in fifth with 202. Lewis Hamilton has 198. So that is also a close battle there. Much can change in these last few races. Uh, Lando Norris is in seventh with 109 points. Esteban Ocon's got 79. Fernando Alonso is in ninth with 65. Valtteri Bottas in tenth with 46. Then we've got Fettel with 38. Ricardo with 29. Magnussen with 26. Uh, Gasly with 23. Uh, then we got a 15th place tie uh, between Lance Stroll and Yuki Tsunoda with 13 points. Mick Schumacher's in 17th with 12. Then we've got Joe Guan Yu with 6. Alex Albon with 4. Nicholas Latifi and Nick DeVries with 2. And Nico Hulkenberg in 22nd, technically, with 0. In the Constructor standings, you are right, Danny. Red Bull Racing has clinched the Constructors' Championship. Uh, they have 656 points to Ferrari's 469. Mercedes is in third with 416. Alpine in fourth with 144 to McLaren's 138. That's still a close battle. Alfa Romeo's in sixth with 52. Aston Martin's in seventh with 51. Gene Haas and team are in eighth with 38 points to Alpha Tauri's 36. And Williams has eight so a lot still to play for here. But those are the standings. Let's get to the news, finally. Williams has <laughs> announced that uh, they have a second driver to pair with Alex Albon next year if he gains enough super license. That driver is Logan Sargent. He is currently racing in Formula 2, and he is... American. He's American from Fort Lauderdale. Oh, doesn't get much more American than forts. <laughs> uh, yes, he is. It looks like he could, according to this article from Autosport.com, uh, he needs to enjoy clean sessions in Mexico and Abu Dhabi and could get up to 30 points. That would mean he could finish as low as sixth in the F2 standings and still gain a super license. So... Uh, that's who Williams is looking at. I think it would be in a lot of Formula One's interests to have an American driver in yes. Williams' interests uh, because uh, it's a big old market here and it's growing. So um, I don't know much about, I haven't watched a lot of Formula Two this year, um, but Logan Sargent, I think I, I, I recognize his name. He's been making headlines, I think since his Formula Three days, um, so he's he is a talent. Yeah, he's from uh, he's from sort of NASCAR stock, I believe, as well. I think he has a very nice. rich uncle who sort of bankrolled a lot of the family's uh, uh, efforts in that. His brother has driven in NASCAR. Um, yeah, but yeah, he seems. I don't know all that much about him. He, he to me, he's not a very big character in Formula Two, despite his uh, his his great results. Um, but yeah, good to see it. Glad to see a, a racy racer get in here, and I hope Nicholas to see if he has a great time doing whatever he does next. Yeah, although it will be with Williams. <laughs> What's um, that? It will be with Williams. So right, the last correct. time we had an American driver, it was Alexander Rossi at Manor, and mm. he didn't exactly light things up. That's true. Um, so, you know, people, I think, will make a, a lot of uh, 
uh, note of him being an American driver in America's big market, like I just did. But, you know, if he's never on TV, it doesn't really matter. Mm. So, I don't know. Um, we also have gotten a lot of... Uh, uh, in the ways of fallout from the Suzuka race, if you recall. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of weird things that happened. Um, they put a uh, recovery truck on the track during a huge rainstorm when the drivers couldn't see anything, which was extremely dangerous. Um, and the championship was decided on a weird points technicality, which no one expected or understood uh, until later. So um, the FIA has looked into all of these things and there are some changes coming our way. So from mm. some articles from race fans and autosport.com, uh, we'll start with race fans. Uh, teams will, uh, this is first of all, addressing the, uh, the recovery vehicle. Teams will be formally notified whenever a recovery vehicle is released onto the track on the official FIA messaging system and will be obliged to inform their drivers when that occurs. So I think this actually happened in the uh, United States Grand Prix where the, the truck went out to get Botas. Drivers were told, hey, there's a recovery vehicle at turn 19. Look out. Uh, the FIA's race control systems will be enhanced to improve awareness of where cars are on the circuit and monitor cars that are outside of the safety car queue. And this is in direct response to something that happened with Pierre Gasly. We noted last time that he um, uh, was caught for speeding under the safety car, uh, trying to catch back up with the pack. Uh, this is also from another race fans article. Uh, the FIA acknowledged that race control failed to realize one car was not in the queue behind the safety car. Quote, given the track conditions and the overall visibility for drivers, marshals, and recovery staff at the time, initially under a safety car followed by a red flag, uh, and, and as efforts were focused on safe recovery, the Alpha Tauri of Pierre Gasly in the pit lane was not immediately detected. Huh. Which, you don't want to lose... <laughs> one of 20 cars on no. the track um so they apparently will uh this might be a, a technical change to to timing and scoring and that sort of thing hmm. uh from next season the fia proposed to introduce dynamic safety car and virtual safety car deltas which will vary in incident zones and require drivers to slow down more throughout the rest of the lap i think this is good because if you just say like a blanket you know, 40% decrease on your speed, you're still, you still may be going quicker through the accident area than we've seen people play with that. What's that? And we've seen people play with that. The fact that like the, the lap Delta versus like good judgment. Yes. Like they'll, they'll slow down and then speed up in certain areas. Yeah. Uh, FA also proposes to close pit lane entries under safety car and only allow drivers to rejoin once the train has passed, a change which have, would have major impact on strategies if it went ahead. So this is a proposal. It's something they do in American Racing Series a lot. Um, Let's see. The, <laughs> I don't know about this one. The FAA will also investigate the use of artificial intelligence in race control management and review trackside advertising boards in order to prevent them coming loose and being knocked onto the racetrack that's two different things what they say in one paragraph here i i worry a little bit about <laughs> getting ai to manage stuff but hey i guess if it works in motorsport manager well 
and it'll be another opportunity to for the FIA to have a technical partnership that's uh, bringing in money. <laughs> uh, this finally, VSC the FIA called by Alexa. <laughs> Uh, the FIA will explore adding lights to recovery vehicles. Explore, come on. Uh, of a similar specification to the existing F1 rear visibility lights to ensure drivers can spot them in poor conditions and will consult with tire supplier Pirelli on how to develop the extreme wet tire, which has been subject to criticism for being ineffective at providing grip on very wet track surfaces. Mm. Okay. Uh, the other thing that they're changing here is for the remaining races of the F1 2022 season, the FAA will not use the system of the rotating race director role. This is from yeah. autosport.com. So uh, as a result of the uh, way that the 2021 season ended, we had two race directors uh, trading off. Um, but apparently that's too confusing. They did not in this article at least give a reason for doing this, but I guess it kind of, uh, my, um, conclusion would be that it's just too much to, uh, too much inconsistency here. Uh, so Niels Vidic will assume the position of race director with the support of the race control staff. That means Eduardo Freitas, uh, will no longer be needed for the rest of the season. It did also then seem like issues were cropping up more with the races. The Freitas was calling. Uh, was was directing, um, and it might have just been mm. that uh, Vidic was was in there first and sort of set a tenor for how things would be called, and the the style switch was was a change. But it it did just seem like from fairly early on, it was clear that having someone tag in as race director was not working out and was causing a lot of questions after the fact. So uh, I'm not surprised that this this has gone away. At the same, I'm also not surprised that. It might have been marked for death anyway. It always felt like a stopgap, right? After after punting Massey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last thing here from Suzuka uh, was the, the whole points thing. Uh, the race was... It did not go its full intended distance. And we have rules that say if things get... If race gets uh, uh, red flagged or can't restart, then you issue points based on the percentage of the race that we completed. But because... The race did not was not canceled as a result of or was not uh, um, stopped completely because of a red flag, mm. and in fact only finished it finished under checkered flag uh, and was only curtailed by a time um, uh, barrier. Uh, they that by the rules meant that we could award full points, but as uh, Chainbear noted in that video that we linked in the last episode, uh, that means that we could wait. Two hours and 58 minutes to start the race, have two laps, and then award full points. So that didn't make any sense. Uh, the FIA says now in this uh, racefence.net article, at the Japanese Grand Prix, Article 6.5 of the Formula One Sporting Regulations, which covers race time limit and points distribution, was applied correctly. However, the wording of the regulations will be revised with a view to bringing further clarity during the next review of the sporting regulations. So no hard facts here about how they're going to change it, but I would expect that uh, percentage thing to just kind of be a blanket rule, uh, mm. no matter how the race ends, um, that we're going to uh, award points that way. Okay, that was a whole lot about Suzuka. Uh, Danny, yes. tell us about Dietrich 
Mataschitz. Yeah, we don't talk about Dietrich Mataschitz very often uh, because he doesn't want to be talked about. Um, Dietrich Mataschitz is the co-founder, sorry, the founder and co-owner of Red Bull. Um, he is a, a, a Austrian-born, well, actually, no, he was born in Nazi Germany because Austria was, that was, was, was Nazi Germany back in 1944. Um, uh, to Croatian parents, he has an extreme sport fan who got a marketing degree, who went to work for Unilever, and then when he was in Bangkok selling detergent, drank a uh, drink with taurine in it and went, hmm, I should bring this back to Europe. And so he did. He uh, basically got the folks there to export this drink to him, packaged it up in the 80s, called a Red Bull, and the rest is history. Um, the band is, uh, you know, incredibly wealthy, but... And, and used to be at the races and very involved in the various um, sporting uh, entities that Red Bull owns. You know, Red Bull's a very strange company. They they make these cans. They are the they have, they are the Coca Cola of the energy drink market. They have the whole thing rounded off. They are they were first to market and massive and massively globally successful. And they just spend a load of money on random things. Um, which I guess you could argue is part of their marketing. <laughs> but it always felt like it was coming from a place of passion first and marketing was just the excuse, especially when you're dropping people out of balloons if in from space and doing silly competitions where people are making, you know, little pretend airplanes and throwing themselves off cliffs. Um, in his personal life, apparently he was very much like that. He loved loads of sports. He, they obviously own teams like uh, Leipzig and he's a big soccer fan. Uh Guy loved extreme sports and flying planes and all that sort of stuff, but very private. No, nobody really knew much about his personal life. Like, he never married. He always had a small circle of friends. He has one child, but would never answer questions about the child. Uh, I believe that his son is responsible for some of um, his investment firm. Um so when he passed, it was sort of an opportunity for people to come out and talk about him in a way that they wouldn't have, perhaps, because he was such a private guy. Uh, there was some nice little conversations from uh, people like Martin Brundle who talked about, he went to a, um, a charity event with him. He was talking during the race or qualifying or something. He was, went to a charity event with him, or what Red Bull were throwing at the A1 ring, and he uh, Dietrich Mateschitz pulled up in front of him and the guy was like um, he said no I'll park my own car and when they came to like take him out and he like owns the company and the guy's a billionaire and then he parked his car in like a field <laughs> with like grass and got his trousers dirty and he was like yeah that's just like you wouldn't expect anything else from from this guy he wasn't uh, you know a, a billionaire playboy he was just a regular guy who wore jeans to F1 races and uh, liked to invest in young drivers and as a result of that I think it was almost half the grid in yesterday's race was either driving for a Red Bull team, had driven for a Red Bull team, or in their junior careers had been funded by Red Bull. Um, so, of course, we got wow. lots of nice quotes from people. Uh, Danny Ricardo said, he was so humble and not interested in the limelight, not interested in parading his success, just a very admirable character. You can go about things your own way, and especially when you have that sort of success, it's quite uncommon to see someone remain so grounded and so humble and so down to earth. A very good example of a human, I felt. Uh, Pierre Gasly said, in this paddock, we're probably six or seven drivers who can be grateful and thankful for what he provided us being part of the Red Bull family. Uh, Carla Sainz as well, saying, I knew Dietrich very well, and I've been also helped a lot by his support in the past. I wouldn't be in F1 without him. I wouldn't have reached F1 without him. Um, 
Apparently, he was struggling with uh, uh, cancer for a number of years. This was an illness that people knew about, but nobody was talking about. Um, and he did eventually succumb to the illness on, I believe it was Saturday, uh, the 22nd of October, um, at the age of 78. May he rest in peace. Well, yeah, I mean, um, he at least got to see one more champion uh, for Red Bull and uh, an, an almost um, foregone conclusion for the Constructors' Championship as well. Yeah, pretty crazy uh, how uh, they've turned that around, although question marks remain, <laughs> well, sure, unfor- unfortunately. I think for me, one of the things that I'm very curious about is just what is the succession plan for over at Red Bull? Like, Because the thing is, so when I worked there, uh, it was very clear that he intervened in decisions way below the level you would think the president of a company like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I was like, imagine where a guy like me would have been in the organization. Like, my immediate boss. Copywriting your articles? (laughs) No, but my immediate boss, like, like would have routine meetings with, with, with him. Oh, wow. And like, yeah, but like, that was true across every layer of the company where like he would just sort of like uh you know there were a lot of <laughs> parachute in <laughs> yeah parachute in there was there was a lot of like you know people going to you know there there were always a lot of like a lot of strategy meetings uh and offsites back at like Red Bull HQ but like what what I'm driving at here is that everything that kind of Red Bull did it was done because like Dietrich Modeschitz wanted it uh, it right. was, you know, to your, to your point, Daniel, I do think internally at Red Bull, they're, they're very clear that like they're like a lot of this is a, a marketing play, but also they're obsessed with this idea that that has to be authentically cool. Uh, but a lot of that, that direction is, was set by, by Madashets. And I, and I do know that like not everyone, uh, at the higher echelons of the company fully understood why the company was so invested up to its eyeballs in F1, for instance. I, I suspect mm-hmm. that looks like a better decision now than it did maybe 10 years ago, <laughs> five years ago. But, like, you know, whenever whenever you have, you know, Red Bull's not, like, a publicly held company where the board's just going to appoint some other MBA to come in and they're going to... You know they're going to just you know do the things that make the most sense on the on the ledger. The, the company was at least run under Modishitz a bit like a kingdom, uh, and it mm. took on the personality of the monarch. And so whenever you have a situation like this, you you're kind of left wondering, well, what comes after? What's this? What's this company look like uh, following the departure of someone like this? Because you know the Red Bull Racing program probably gets the latitude and resource resources it uh, needs in part because Helmut Marco uh, had such a good relationship with Dietrich Mateschitz uh, right. and, and yeah. was so persuasive. Like not to say like Mateschitz didn't believe in the project, but that's just kind of how things rolled was that it was partly once the program was stood up, it was a sort of a, a, a pride and joy of the company. But like, if you're talking about those early days where it's like, how invested in this are we going to get? I suspect uh, that that basically depends on the personal connection between uh, the boss and Marco. And so I like, I don't think, I, I don't think it's like this will immediately mean Red Bull will be looking to exit F1 or anything like that. But you know how like 
the same things that made the Porsche deal so angsty for Red Bull at the eleventh hour. I feel like some yeah. of those dynamics are still in play, right? Like someone mm. else is going to be in charge, and it's not going to be the guy who signed the check to buy the two F one teams. Yeah, or signed the, dom- the, the to domino, be like whatever it takes. The domino will, the wind will blow the domino in one direction, not the other, and it'll have a cascading effect. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of like without that magnanimous figure, everyone else is just going to be. You know, it's like the, like the king, the, the the kingdom reference is very good. After a powerful leader, you can't, it's very difficult to have another one, especially if it's not somebody who founded the company. Like it, they're going to transition into something else. I do wonder, given that, whether how much planning was put in place, you know, for his successor as it were. But yeah, I guess we'll yeah, just I have mean, to wait and see. It's something very, it's a, it's a, a company with a very specific and not really business oriented direction, right? <laughs> right and so yeah. how do you, how do you replicate that or how do you yeah. continue that? Um, well, speaking of F1 teams and their money, Rob, you've got a couple of stories here. Yeah, I guess the, the, you know, the first one out of the gate, uh, congrats to Haas. They, they, they signed, uh, a new, a new title sponsor here. Uh, and the, the key thing is, that's it, bunny, not, that's, is it snags or bunny crimes or. Max uh, Faltar is one of them. No, no, no. It's like, oh man, is it like Money Wallet or something? Moneygram. 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 It's like, it's, it's my favorite cereal. I f- love it. Moneygram. Chewing on those Moneygrams every morning. <laughs> yeah. So, like the 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 thing there is, uh, the the main reason this is relevant is because Haas is a team that has not. F1 has a spending limit, as we are all keenly aware, and some teams are in danger of breaching it, Does and it though? some don't have to worry about that at all. Uh, and Haas, for a while, has been a team that was in no, no trouble, no concerns about accidentally going over that F1 uh, budget cap. Uh, but supposedly, like with, with the with the MoneyGram partnership, they are going to finally be able to spend what. Uh, the the top teams are are spending on on mm. their programs, uh, which is a, a pretty huge upgrade for 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 any team. Uh, the other thing's kind of goofy here. Uh, so McLaren just rolled <laughs> rolled out an idea who that was perhaps inevitable, but whose time has clearly come. McLaren wants to do dynamic display ads on their car. They're going to have yeah. a little like LED display uh, somewhere on the car where they can sell multiple uh, advertisements for the same piece of real estate. Uh, and, you know, they're sort of teasing uh, in the Autosport article talking about this. They're sort of thinking about what what else it can be used for. Uh, you can, you know, you can do deals for like special situational ads that appear. Uh, okay. <laughs> like I mean, thinking about the shit in F1 manager where it's like, and if you keep the streak of like uh, Q3 appearances going three weeks in a row, then uh, yeah, like a raisin brand ad will flash or something like that. And everyone's going to be like, uh, wow, they just got their, their raisin brand boost. Can they, they can animate them presumably as well. If it's a screen, you know I what I mean? Pre- I would presume, I hope they don't like, they just start sticking memes up there. Are we getting? This are we is, getting inching closer towards Drew's face being on a, on a <laughs> screen on an F one car? This is the thing. Like everyone's like, "Wow, this is an exciting game changing technology for for uh, like car sponsorships <laughs> and stuff." And I think there's two things. One, I think just it has a very good chance of being annoying as hell. Uh, just like as as a thing that's constantly like 
just what I wanted. Uh, yet more advertising uh, flickering on a thing I watch and like changing display to try to, to grab attention. Uh, but two, yo, just because like, man, we can sell so many more ads uh, with, with dynamic advertising. What makes you think that those ads are going to have the same value as the thing that's always there? Like that's yeah, totally that's yeah. that's always the the catch for stuff like this is um you know I think mean, all of us coming from like the world of web publishing right uh yeah you you can rub your hands together thinking about like well if ads are bringing this amount right now just imagine what can happen uh, if we have the capacity to sell more ads well the answer is uh, <laughs> the ads become less valuable yes exactly yeah it's, it's the same amount with more clients yeah. <laughs> Print more money. Print more money. That's just why don't countries just print more money? Just more money. It'll be great. Everything stays the same. Just more of it. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's also like very specific to like where cameras are pointing. Like you can't put them on the side of a car. I don't think that'd be very legible if you're trying to track a car. It's hard enough to read the advertising on a car when it's driving normally. I think think they were. They. I think they tried them this weekend, right? Like they. Yes. I think they are. To the left and right of the driver's heads, they're like, like under on the halo. The top, right? yeah, they're under the yeah. halo on the top of the of the car, just just by the yeah. cockpit. You imagine all shot the F1 like, engineers who are like, "This piece, this, yeah. this is bullshit. This thing yeah. weighs this thing weighs seventy five grams, seventy five extra grams." <laughs> you gotta power it, and like, what if it loses power? Then your sponsor's not gonna be happy. That's true. What if it leaks or something? You know, there was a there. Who somebody went down because of a water leak, didn't they? There was a was in quality. No, somebody did. There was, was some there incident. Signs following the 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 shunt. I think so. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. You're right. That's what it was. I forgot he was out. Yeah, I forgot. I'm not sure if we mentioned that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, all right. A couple quick hits here before we get to the Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, ESPN has announced that they have secured a deal with F1 to broadcast in the U.S. through 2025, so nothing mm. changing there, it seems. Um, I did not see anywhere if they are keeping their ad-free uh, uh, broadcast, which is quite nice. Uh, also, we mentioned that Brad Pitt movie. that we've been th- That's been talked about for a long time. Um, it f- sounds like it's finally happening. Uh, so be on the lookout for he's that. He's not starring in it, though, right? It's more of a, he's a producer. Is he I'm starring not, in it? It's a Jerry Bruckheimer thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. So Top Gun on, I mean, we already got Top Gun on F1. It was, uh, what was that name of that movie again? Rush? Isn't there Riven? Tom Cruise? Wasn't there Tom Days Cruise? Of Thunder? Well, there's Days, Days of, of Thunder. Thunder. There That's we go. NASCAR. Sorry. That's NASCAR, NASCAR, yeah. NASCAR. NASCAR, yeah. Was that Jerry Bruckheimer as well? Kind of has that yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Tony yeah. Scott. And Tony Scott. Oh my God. It was the dream. It was the Top Gun dream team. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, correction for the last thing. Uh, Racer.com notes that uh, race broadcast on ESPN will remain commercial free. Thank there you, you mothers. <laughs> Thanks, mothers, Polish. Um, and last one here uh, sent in by at uh, Saboyland on Twitter with the display name that I quite enjoy Scuderia Antifa Tauri. Okay. Uh, um, it's probably unlikely to be an F1 team in the future, but I like it. <laughs> uh, Autosport.com noting that the 2023 NASCAR Euro Series calendar will include the spurts, the sports, spurts. Uh, the spurts, the, <laughs> sports, <laughs> the sports first ever 
ice race. Oh my god. Fucking, they have jumped the shark over in NASCAR land. The mud races weren't enough. Oh, listen, this is Euro NASCAR, so they got they need the eyeballs. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's Euro NASCAR. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, it'll the season will officially kick off March fourth through fifth in Finland, in the breathtaking scenery of frozen lakes, where the fir- for the first time in history NASCAR cars will race on ice in the new NASCAR Arctic Ice Race amazing this is the future baby it's look global warming we're just rolling with the bunches let's go ice race desert race yeah all right march 4th 2023 mark those calendars flooded city race uh all right that is it for the news should we take it to mexico denny let's race around mexico Autodromo, Hermanos Rodriguez. Yeah. We are going to Mexico, folks. We are staying in North America. Are we? Is this Central America? What do we call this? I'm not from here. It's North 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 America. America. North America. Never stop. Never stop (laughs) taking over other. What's it called? What's it called when countries take over other places again? What's it called? I forget. Imperialism? Imperialism? Never stop imperializing. Imperialisms. (laughs) I love it. Um, It's the continent. We are here. At, uh, uh, this is named after the racing driver um, uh, and Pedro Rodriguez. Uh, this is a track we have enjoyed for the past, I don't know, when did it come back? 10 years ago, let's say. It started in uh, 1963. It had major renovations in 2016, so I guess it's not been 10 years. Um, it's a funny old track. They've sort of done a lot of uh, strange things to the end of it. It goes through a stadium these days. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting for a number of different reasons. So it's 71 laps, 4.3 kilometers, 2.67 miles. Um, a lot of people turn up here, similar to Coda. Coda was sold out all weekend. It was pretty incredible. About 300,000 fans will flood in from Mexico City uh, into the uh, various stands and the stadium, which comprises of the final sector of this uh, uh racetrack it's also where they do the podium stuff at the end as well um highest elevation of the year so the cars run a little bit hot here and also the drivers uh, tend to need a little bit of a time to acclimatize sort of like playing the denver broncos um so there is a there's an element there and especially at the end of the season sometimes when cars are coughing and wheezing a little bit that that can also rear its head so sometimes you get some cars not making it around this one um it is a fast circuit generally um it is i I don't usually do the turn by turn but this is kind of one that's easy to do uh honestly um because of the DRS zones as well. There's three of them on this one. There's the start finish straight, which has a DRS zone. And at the end of it, it has a three turn section. Then that leads into another DRS zone. And at the end of that, there is another three turn section. It's very easy to break it up. Then you have this really fun bit in the middle of the track, which uh, the drivers absolutely love. It's over 100 miles an hour the whole way around. Uh, the turns from seven up until when they get into the stadium, super fun, like, you know, bit of runoff, lots of, uh, of high-speed corners, um, a lot of fun there. 
And then into the stadium section, which is basically armistice area. There's no overtakes allowed here. Nobody ever bothers overtaking <laughs> here. It's kind of too slow and twisty. And also you're about to come up again to the start finish straight and all of those beautiful DRS zones. So it's kind of like when I get into the stadium, it's like, hey, everyone, we're back for another lap. Check out our nice cars. Look at this dynamic advertising. And then they exit the, um, the stadium and back around again. So it's a fun little circuit. Um, I think the drivers like it. Uh, the fans in Mexico of course, are amazing regardless of sport, but they love their motor racing, especially after getting back the Mexican Grand Prix. I think they were even more excited. Um, So the place has been packed ever since. Uh, Good vibes, good food, good weather, and hopefully good racing. Great. Well, uh, we're having maybe some good weather. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Well, for race day, uh, it looks like. Um, For race time... Uh, let's see, which is local time, 2 p.m., um, 76 degrees Fahrenheit or 24 degrees Celsius with only a 20% chance of precipitation. However, qualifying day, same temperature, but the precipitation chance climbs to 47%. Oh, interesting. Yes, indeed. Uh, so that's going to be fun maybe um i feel like rain could rain could make this track Mix a little more up. interesting <laughs> i i yeah, don't have yeah. a lot of uh, uh memories of an exciting mexico grand prix is no, what I'm no, that, that's fair that's fair i yeah it, it's always kind of yeah even in the years where there was like tight title races i'm trying to it feels like a it feels like a, if you get pole you win it kind of race i feel Although, like the most exciting one ever was the the one that was featured well the the way it was featured in drive to survive where okan uh was fighting for his job against uh, uh checo and they digitally added all those ads around mexico city to make it look like all of mexico was like we love checo and it was like yeah uh you know obviously this is you know how could esteban compete with this uh but yeah it's not it's not a great it's a cool venue. It's not a great racing uh, like circuit. Yeah, I think there's a because of the history of some of the drivers. You had like Gutierrez in the past. You know, you have uh, Checo obviously now. Um, you know, the brothers Rodriguez for, for whom which this circuit is is named after. There's um, there's obviously like. It kind of reminds me of Interlagos in that way, where it kind of feels like racing is coming home for all the people here. But yeah, for whatever reason, the circuit itself has kind of never provided for particularly interesting racing. Yeah. I always like it, though. I don't know why. I just like the vibe, I feel like. I I feel like I want to go to this one. I think it would be fun. Well, the Shift of One Fantasy League could provide some entertainment for you, uh, no matter the venue. Uh, the top three from the United States. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to join our fantasy league, you can use the link in the show notes. But the top three from the United States um, Grand Prix are from America, James A's team, uh, Maximum F-Vert 2. Uh, in second place, from Australia, Aaron's team, Team 1. Very good. Very good. Uh, uh, and on top of the podium... From America, Steven's team, the third Raikkonen. <laughs> Not sure I like that. 
Uh, oh my god. Um, oh my god. They should I mean, them and the anti-fascist team you mentioned earlier should really go at it. That that would oh, be boy. forget this Red Bull Mercedes malarkey. That's the real grudge match. Uh <laughs> overall Jesus. though, in the fantasy league, it's an uh, all Canadian podium. Oh my god. Yes. Get these guys in Latifi seat. Featuring two teams uh, from Robert S. Uh, in third place, Alpino Noir. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. And in second, Toto Sandbaggins. God, they're both they're both good. Yeah. Yes, but in first, still, it is from Canada. <laughs> Michael's team, Leo Speed. Leo Speed. That's right. How far? How far are Leo Speed from from clinching? The constructors' championship. I I don't know, but they or, are or the drivers' championship, brother. Thirty points ahead of Toto Sandbaggins. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I do wonder. I would love to do a uh, a deep dive on how many on the winning because there's no limit on the amount of teams you can put in the league. So I'm wondering, like, are the winning people the ones that have like twenty teams that they like? No, no, no. There's a maximum of three. Oh, there is. Okay, three. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it back then. Sorry. Um, You're all all beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so if you'd like to send us an email at shift1podcast at gmail.com, you can do that, or go to f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shift1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon, that is at Danny O'Dwyer, and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the world. Yeah. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is in Martinsville Speedway in Martinsville, Virginia for the Dead On Tools 250. Dead on. Those tools are dead on, man. They're just like... Do you think they purposefully sponsor the race nearest to Halloween? Dead on tools. Dead. (laughs) Happy Halloween, everyone, by the way. Happy Halloween. What are you dressing up as, Drew? Uh, this is my, I'm, I'm so pale. You can't tell I'm wearing my wow. day of the dead. Paint. What's your, what's your spooky name? Drew. Scarlin. Don't worry. Rob's laughing. I'm coming for you next. Zachary, what's yours? What are you dressing up as? What's your, what's your spooky name? Oh, fuck. I had a good spooky name. Did and you have one? Rob Zombie? No. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that's it. Unless you can come right, well, up with something better. You you think about it. I'm going to go down the rest of the, yeah. the, the racing here. We've got Super Formula at the Suzuka Circuit. Don't you know it's in Suzuka City, Mie Prefecture. Watch out for the trucks on the track, everyone. Uh, the supercars are racing in Surfer's Paradise. Whoa, man. Yeah, yeah. supercars are here. Awesome. <laughs> Shh, let's do it. Let's hit some waves and watch the cars, dude. <laughs> we don't get enough Californian Danny on this show. <laughs> That's my accent. Uh, do you know my, my my American passport? It says I was born in California. <laughs> what? <laughs> it does. Apparently, that's what they do. I, I thought it was a mistake. I had to call up my friend who got a citizenship. And I was like, dude, did they say you were born in California in 1986? And he's like, yeah. Like, All right. I guess in another life. I'm Daniel wow. Dwyer, man. Yeah. Let's <laughs> smoke a bowl. Hit the waves. Uh, that is the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500 for the supercars. Boost. And we got NASCAR. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. 
We're not Martinsville. As, not nearly as exciting. We're also in Martinsville. Martinsville. Mar- the mayor, Martin, will be there. Hippies. <laughs> the mayor, Martin. It's just a line of Martins going back. These bureaucrats. <laughs> anyway, it's the uh, the Xfinity 500. Xfinity. Megabits more per second, more like. Yep. Upload speeds are bad. Don't tell anyone. They should, they should be calling it the Xfinity 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Hippies, stay away. You you stay at the other thing. Martinsville. What is the, what is the hippie thing? Did you see that Comcast is trying to charge people uh, for a high, like you to get their highest upload speed, you got to buy a bullshit like special modem add-on. Like even if you buy your own modem, they're wow. like, "Sorry, we couldn't possibly give you a uh, hundred up without proprietary Xfinity XFi hardware." Don't even start me. My blood is boiling. <sighs> I have Comcast business internet here, so that is not cheap. And they sold me on the upload speed that they had here, and then they didn't have it here, and I'm still paying for that. Cool. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Love cool. it. Great. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't need that money. It's fine. Uh, Formula One is also racing this weekend. Maybe you've heard of it. Things kick off Friday, October 28th. Free practice one, 2 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN News. Reasonable. Uh, Yes. Then free practice two is at 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN News. Saturday, Mm. October 29th. Free practice three is at 1 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN News, followed by qualifying at 4 p.m. also on ESPN News. The race, however, Sunday, October 30th. 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Wow. Look at that. Prime in between football games. 4 p.m. on ESPN. Love to see it. Uh, Danny, final thoughts. Rob, Rob, what's your spooky name? That's my fucked up. Don't have it. Oh, God. Send them in. ShiftF1podcast at gmail.com. Send in your spooky (laughs) names for me, Drew, and I've got it. I've got mine. And Rob. Clearly, Boo Scanlon. Boo Scanlon. That's pretty good. Danny O Vampire. <laughs> that, Ooh, that's not bad. That's that Danny Vampire, maybe. Maybe that works better. Okay. And it's Rob Zombie, unless he comes up with something, right? So it's Rob <laughs> Zombie. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Final thoughts. Uh, the American Grand Prix was a microcosm of the season that we've had. Uh, just when it looked like it was going to get fun and interesting, we were reminded that the Red Bull is 10 times faster than every other car <laughs> and that there's no competition to be had. And regardless of how Ferrari do in qualifying, because Charlotte Claire has been qualifying Max all year, it, and Carlos signs it this week, that does not matter. Does not matter when you get to the race. Red Bull is just too far ahead. Um, we got some close so stuff in the championships. There's stuff yeah. to watch. Danny is positively thirsting for a 24 race calendar. Oh, oh man. give it to Danny. Just give me. Ah, oh, just the one thing we did not want was the dominance. Like the one thing we did not want. It's worse when Checo is not pulling his weight here. Because at least the years were with Hamilton. the Mercedes years, you yes. had the Rosberg Hamilton beef that made those things interesting, and then yep. we had our two three years of pretending that Botas was going to get it done at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he would, and, we let like, ourselves believe he would flirt it, yeah. with it. He'd be like, "Oh man, I've really got my head right, and it was clearly not right." But who cared? Uh, for a minute, it was. I just need to get. I just need to get divorced. That'll do it. <laughs> I just need to do anything. I'll do whatever I need to succeed. Damn it, I need to take up cycling and exhibitionism. <laughs> 
Okay. Anyway, uh, if so. you'd like to support the show and get access to all our bonus episodes and the official Discord, uh, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.